You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. This is my conversation with a fellow called Jack Nelson. He's the drummer in a band from Perth called Blackstone from the Sun. Now, the reason for the conversation is to promote the band's brand new album for 2018 called Dream Alysis. So let's have a listen to what Jack and a few of the members of his entourage, what they have to say. Here we go. I'll kick things off, Jack. Welcome to the show. Dream Analysis, is that right? No, it's dream analysis, isn't it? I yeah. kept on getting that around when I was typing it. Autocorrect kept on interrupting it's me. But... Made up word. <laughs> <laughs> dream analysis is your new album. So now you've probably heard this a bit, okay? But what I'm hearing are the sounds of Nirvana across the album. But then I changed my mind, and I felt you guys have far more of a Pixies vibe, particularly on the cut, vice versa. Now, so many bands miss that crucial component of Nirvana's sound right across their albums, and not to mention the Pixies either, that, and mate, this is all, all about you here, okay? So the powerful drumming, and you get that right, really right. But on that note, tell us about the album. Thank you. Um, it's uh, It's been a long work in progress, that's for sure. It's uh, been, I think, two years in the making from the very first session up until uh, the actual release date. And... Um, it, it all started with Vice Versa, actually, that track you just mentioned before. Um, we did, we did like uh, two single releases, um, I think, yeah, 2016, maybe. It might have been in like late 2015, actually. Another other one was Oldest Culture. I mean, we put them both out. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we thought like Oldest Culture would be like the preferred song rather than Vice Versa, but it just didn't really? release yeah, it didn't pick up as, as well as vice versa. And we're like, yeah, ah. like we both like playing both styles of cause they're quite different songs. Yeah. And, um, we thought, well, this is what everyone else likes. We obviously like both things as well. Let's try and make an album with this sound. Like it was, um, that was what we were going for really. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of of a lot of the sounds that came out of the early '90s, and I'm noticing. I'm not going to call it a retro thing because I'd never say the music that you're creating is retro. But I'm noticing the sounds starting to come back a little bit. You know, as I mentioned, Pixies a bit of that Nirvana thing, but a real sort of the the rougher edges of it, not the polished edge that ended up being on Nevermind. Um, more of the stuff that ended up on Pixie Surfer Rosa and albums like that. So, are they the bands that you would say influenced you, or is that just what I'm hearing and my interpretation of it? Well, we, we, we both like the Pixies, but not like hugely. Um, mm. So it's not really like a big influence on us, but Nirvana definitely is. Um, it's it's Sean, the, the singer, his favorite um, favorite band. Okay, yeah. One of my favorite bands as well. Uh, like look at all of Dave Grohl stuff, like everything he's done really, and drumming wise. <laughs> yeah, we literally just supported a Nirvana tribute band. <laughs> How was that? Yeah, it was good. It had uh, members of um, End of Fashion. Uh, Sweet. And, yeah, it was, it was really good. I, was, I didn't know how it would go because he sounds nothing like how he does on the End of Fashion tunes, that's for sure. <laughs> he did a really good job of that. Yeah, I, look, I play covers music and I've, I've, I've played in a few tribute shows over the years and, God, you've really got to get that right because they're the ones where you get people after sort of their fourth or fifth beer start coming up to you in the break between sets, if you like, and really having a go at you if you haven't played it exactly the way that they remember it. I know that very well from my dad because he plays in a Beatles tribute band. <laughs> oh, he'd cop it big time then, massively so. <laughs> then, I'll take it, wouldn't he? Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, it's always, a, I mean, even playing covers, I, I being a bass player, okay, I don't really get it too much because, to be honest, most people don't really care about the bass in terms of when they're <laughs> listening to it, unless you're a musician or unless it's a part of the hook, like in Pink Floyd's Money or something like that, um, or a song like that. But, um, yeah, I've seen drummers in particular get absolutely punished by drug, drunk punters. Oh, you didn't put... You know, the Tom wasn't here and this song here and that's a really important part of the song and without it, it all falls apart. It's like, dude, seriously, just go somewhere else. You know. So what about the... Yeah, yes. So across Dream Alice's, okay, who produced it and engineered it because it's got a wonderful sound? Yeah, it's a, um, there's a band over here that we've um, been following quite a lot before we actually started being a band ourselves called The Love Junkies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a singer from that, Mitch McDonald, and we've worked with him since the the second EP, and then put out those two songs in between the EP and the album. <coughs> Excuse me, and then um, and then uh, and then obviously the album as well. He's he's done everything, and the sound quality just keeps better, getting better and better with each release. Well, yeah, I mean the thing that really I, I've got a new iPhone X or iPhone Ten, whatever it's called, you know, the brand new one. Anyway, I've listened to a. <laughs> Yes. What's that, sorry? <laughs> I call it an iPhone kiss. Kiss, there you go. Okay, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I always, I thought it was an X, but I just bought one for my mother in the city the other day and they said, no, it's 10. And I thought, no, I don't think you know your own marketing. I think it is called the X. But anyway, I digress. Um, but I, I listen to, because I'm busy, you know, I've got two daughters, so I tend to be busy with them, jobs, the whole thing. I tend to listen to most of my, uh, most of the material that I get. I get a ton of it, let me tell you. But I listen to it across the speakers. Now, I notice the upgrade in the speaker that the iPhone, let's call it the X, or let's call it the iPhone Kiss for the sake of our discussion here. <laughs> um, nice. I, I only got that in the last two weeks or so. I think I've had your album for about that long, but I had an iPhone 7 Plus before that. Now, the speaker on that wasn't that crash hot, so I was listening to most things through that, and it was okay. But when I put it on through the Kiss, my God, it just jumped out of the shitty little speaker that's in that. And I'm talking in the car. I just put it in the cup holder so that it amplifies it a little bit because in one of my cars, I don't have a Bluetooth system. And (laughs) the album sounds really good that way. And I think that's always been the test of an album, whether or not I'm old enough. I'm I'm 40. God, I can't even say I'm 39 anymore. I'm 40. And (laughs) I remember getting cassettes as a kid and the best albums always sounded really good over a shitty boombox through the 80s and the early part of the 90s. Yours does as well, if I could transpose and use that methodology of thinking for 2018. It sounds wonderful through dodgy little speakers in a cramped environment. So, yeah, man, it's yeah, the songwriting's definitely there, and the way that it's been put together is top-notch. So you're not going to have any complaints about that, that's for sure. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. It's cup holder approved. <laughs> cup holder approved, indeed. Yeah. So the uh, I know the the bloke who probably wrote the lyrics, or or maybe he didn't, but the lyrical themes across the album. Um, sorry, I meant to say I might be asking for you to speak for your singer here, but what are the lyrical themes across the record? Well, to be honest, Sean's very um, just like keeps himself a lot with the lyrics, but um, the single we've recently put out, "Smile in the Days." It's uh, well. Let's just go for the whole album. He's definitely gone a bit darker that I've noticed, like lyrically, than any previous releases. But um, the latest single, "Smile and Days," it's it's supposed to be that sort of idea that everyone's just smiling around without 
realizing that there's all these problems happening in the world even when they get home they just keep this fake smile on well it's not even a fake they just they're just kind of in this days that they imagine everything's fine and then it's just the realization of thinking that there's actually lots of problems and maybe people shouldn't be so fine all the time but um that's that's the, the general gist of that one that i've got but um that's, that's definitely something sean would be able to go into a bit more in depth with Might have dropped out. Yeah. Uh, has it dropped out? Oh, sorry. I had you on mute. My bad. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. I was just saying, there's there's a lot of pricks in the world, isn't there? We, we just found out about what happened in Toronto, uh, for example. Okay, so we, we juxtapose just our daily commute, if you like, to dropping kids off school or going to our day jobs or what have you. And there are people that don't make it home. And we're aware of that now. So I don't know whether the world's any more or less rotten than it was, say, 200 years ago, but our awareness of it has skyrocketed and that it does have an effect. Of course, it. I mean, it's an obvious statement, but it does have a massive effect on the way artists such as you guys, anybody writing material, starts to approach lyrical themes. Mm, yeah. You know. Um, the absence of the bass guitar, by design, or is that a typical case where a solid and reliable member just couldn't be found? We, oh, we forgot about bass, actually. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he died in a horrible barbecuing accident. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. we, we've never had a bass player. They've we, had so many offers. We, we've had a lot of offers over the, the years, and people just on Saturday after that Nirvana show, someone came up to our manager and goes, I don't know if you're the right guy I should be speaking to, but <laughs> I heard they say that they didn't have a bass player, and I'd definitely be keen to try it. But Sean made a point of saying, hey, we're with Blackstone for his son. We don't have a bass player. Then we just went into the first song. But um, right. it's uh, it it was by design. You know, me and Sean knew each other through high school. We were in separate bands. They both broke up. We thought, let's just try something, the two of us, see how it goes. And we just forgot to check <laughs> to see how it was going. But no, it seems to be going all right. And Sean's made a lot of changes of his equipment over the years as well to sort of compensate the, the whole uh, loss of the bass player. Yeah, I, look, a lot of people would probably reference the White Stripes, but the band that I would more reference you guys with is another band from the 90s called Local H. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't actually. Definitely check them out. They're very similar to you guys, actually, um, in that they're, they're drummer and a singer backslash guitarist, and I understood that he mics it. He uses two cabs, so I don't know how the setup actually works, but he has a guitar setup and a bass setup, so that's how he gets around it. And they have a very big sound like what you guys have got. So right, yeah. second time I've heard a full-on rock band actually have that. I don't really consider the White Stripes a full-on rock band. Plenty of people disagree with me on that, but there's a lot of other things that go on in there, like that blues thing that those guys do. But... Um, yeah, you don't miss it, put it that way. I mean, as I say, I'm a bass guitarist and I listen to... I, I, I've reviewed a lot of bands over the years that don't. Like, there's a band from Germany, I think, called Manta. Now, they miss having a bass guitarist because they're playing that Celtic Frost-style heavy metal that was really reliant on having some plutonium heavy low end. But your uh, music doesn't miss it. Yeah, though Sean, Sean does play for a... <clears throat> he plays for a normal guitar amp bass cab and he also has like a separate third signal that just is like low octave coming through generally front of house when it's live but you know obviously just a separate 
um, track on the mix, mm. on the recording. So he's, I think he's running two guitar amps now. He's got like four signals just coming from the one guitar. Yes, yeah, that's what that massive sound comes from. Do you know what his setup is? Is he is he using a typical, say, Marshall stack, or has he gone up for the for the full on metal rock messer thing? No, he's, he's got a he's running a Fender Twin, uh, just for the guitar sounds, okay. and then into a Eminar bass head. I think he was using GK before that, and then just into like a six by ten bass fridge, um, and then. Whatever, whatever other guitar amp is available in the night, he might just rig up the extra, the extra signal. But it just depends mm-hmm. on if it's suitable or not. Yeah, and then just the DI straight into front of house. Yeah, must be must be interesting just having the two of you on stage. Have you played with? Uh, have you played in any other bands where where you've had a traditional setup, say a four piece or a three piece? Like, do you have yeah. to do a lot more in terms of you know people's expectation to be entertained rather than just listen to the music? You find that, especially being the drummer, that you have to become more involved the way that someone like Dave Grohl, when he drummed for Nirvana, was really animated. Yeah, definitely. Like, I I, I move a lot more than I ever have in any band I've played in, and I generally have a very sore neck after a normal half an hour set. <laughs> And then, and yeah, drenched T-shirts. <laughs> and uh, Sean's done a lot of jumping around whenever he's not singing, lying on the ground doing roly-polies when he can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> yeah, it de- definitely, we've definitely got to um, try and do something different. Probably not, not different, but, you know, just... Something that we're not engaged. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, my, my, I try to move around quite a bit as well, but there's no point in covers bands when you're playing over a five hour period or so because you just use all your energy up in the first or second set. And then you can't yeah. wait to get home and you've got three hours to go before you're even thinking about putting your head down on the pillow. <laughs> you know, yeah. so covers band life, eh? Anyway, um, oh, you know, the other thing I liked about the, uh, the whole package of the album was the artwork. I like the colors that you guys have used there. Is that, something a concept that you guys came up with together or what is the concept i should probably ask we put with this uh, local perth artist called nathaniel whale and uh sean just approached him by finding him on a facebook page and um just said we've got an album coming out oh actually no it was the first single we put out from the album um my tibetan sky funeral there was just this picture that the artist had already drawn of this guy sitting on top of a cliff um, in like a snowy sort of area, sitting in the pole at the top, but it kind of fit in with the whole Tibetan theme. Yep. Um, we, we ended up just getting the, the wording changed to My Tibetan Sky Funeral, and that became the cover art for that. Uh-huh. And we just really liked it, and we decided to keep a sort of theme happening, so the character that you see on top of the hill on that is the character on the front cover of the album. So it looks like he's just been on this big journey, and uh, he's found the temple which is the album um nice yeah make for, yeah make for really good um our t-shirts i reckon yeah well we'll look at that there's a lot of colors going on so we'll have to see what we can come up with because hmm. i think we're ready to do another t-shirt design anyway yeah we could yeah do think about it i'm a big fan of when especially indie artists, you really do need to give people as much opportunity. And this is the way that I phrase it, frame it. You need to give as much opportunity for people to give, give you their money, you know, in exchange for what they call a product or what have you, you know, it's uh, yeah, I'd do it because it's some of the best artwork I've seen this year. Oh, cheers. Yeah. Well, Nathaniel will like that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
do you get a lot of correspondence uh, from people offshore? So is there an opportunity for you to go to either North America or Europe or even Asia? We're in talks at the moment with heading over to the UK to do like maybe some festival slots and um, our own little circuit and possibly recording like at a pretty cool place. But that's all just in, so hush, hush. It's all sort of on the... Being produced by a guy, hush, hush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like there's some pretty good opportunities, but we'll, we'll see what happens when we get over there, actually. But, something, yeah, UK got our sights on. Yeah, something that, especially with your, your manager there in the car with you, it's, um, oh, it's spoken, oh, man, I must have done, I don't know, I'm approaching 300 interviews or so now, and only a fraction of them have been with with Australian arts. To give you an idea, I interviewed Phil Collin from Def Leppard this morning, so I've had an interesting day, to say the least, uh, with interviews. Um but, yeah, he's a good guy, actually, really nice, really grounded guy. All these guys who've had success generally are, in my experience. You know, he gave up the drink and the drugs, and he's been a vegan for about 30 years or something. So, but anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, my point would be, have you have you had a look at Asia? Uh, I spend a lot of time in Asia myself, and I know that there is a – I don't know whether I'd describe it as a market, just using commercial terms, but there's certainly an awareness of Australia's rock music over there. ACDC is a massive band in just about every – Every Asian country you go to, there's an awareness of it. You see bootlegged flags and uh, ACDC T-shirts in markets in Cambodia, for example, and they know that the band's from Australia. So my, my point there would be is that has there been um, any um, intent to look at the market to see if there could be an opportunity for you to go and play festivals over there or some club gigs? Me, me and Sean's been like pretty keen on Japan, but we, we haven't been serious at all. We've just we've had friends go over there that had really good experiences. So, but I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Christmas one anyway. Um, the manager, yeah, there has been um, not discussion yet with the guys. So this is the first for uh, Jack to hear this. But, um, mm -hmm. Towards the end of next year, that was the goal to head uh, end of 2019 um, towards Japan, Singapore, um, and that kind of. Well, there you go. Yeah, Singapore especially. There you go. You're doing it. Yeah. Pacific Rim Circuit, um, Kuala Lumpur, that kind of thing. Um, because I know that, especially places like Japan, Singapore, there's a massive rock and roll scene. Um, bands like Guitar Wolf. Um, you know, especially the guys from Mac Pelican back in the day from Melbourne, you know, yeah. moved up, you know, did the whole Ramones ripoff thing, but they did a really good job of it. Um, but you know, there's, there's still like a massive, massive scene for that. And, um, and the thing about the Asian market is that they're so into live music and bands as such, and they are so, um, appreciative of other um, bands from other countries coming over to play in their cities. And so, um, you know, like you could be just pretty much unheard of, but yet you'll have a wicked turnout. So it's a good market. And like you're saying as well, people just get really into everything there. Um, so it is, it is, yeah, it is on the cards. For... Surprise, Jack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good news. <laughs> Yeah, oh, look, I'm, I've, look. If I had, I, I'm, I'm a journalism student these days, got at the ripe old age of 30, forty. But um, I guess if I my life had worked out a little bit differently, I'd be a promoter in Asia. Um, and the reason I say that is because I, I know firsthand the demand for 
metal and rock bands through Asia because my wife's family are from the island of Cebu in the Philippines. And when we, we go over there often, okay, last time we were over there, one of the most unlistenable death black metal bands you could ever come across called Angel Corpse were playing to, I don't know, maybe a thousand people there. Um, they're from the States. So there's, yeah, there's, there's promoters there. There's actually tentacles to actually make this a tangible reality through Asia. That's only one country, of course. But yeah, I, I, can, I know for a fact of that, actually knowing the names to share with you, that there's so many opportunities there. And because they're right on our doorstep, and particularly because of the way economically our outlook is so Asian focused as it needs to be, there's just going to be opportunities that open up to Ben. So I think you're doing what you're doing at a very good time. Oh, that's good news. You know, I actually used to manage a band from Brisbane um, who ended up going over to even even Namia in New Caledonia. Yeah, and that that um, that even was you know an unheard of band over there, obviously, um, and had a really good turnout. And I think it was a three or four day mini tour, and just the the turnout for the people that were coming to shows was a weirdly higher ratio for an unheard band overseas than it was on home soil so um yeah it was a strange kind of thing to witness that and especially um like jack was saying you know we've got mates over here and bands like i think one band that's just been over to singapore was just recently a band called rag and bone who's now called new talk okay uh, it's a wa band um and they went over for don't know if it was laneway festival related or if it was their own thing um and yeah they had a really positive response there as well so yeah um yeah it's just a, it's odd <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's, it's just these emerging markets and just to, just trying to find somebody who's bankable um who can actually make it a reality and look it might be one of those things where you break even on the first trip and maybe even the second but just building an audience over there is going to lead to something positive i can feel it you know that i just think things are trending that way and you know, the other thing is it's a lot bloody closer to home too. It's a lot closer than North America or the UK. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong there. You know. Um, I'll make this my final question then. How can people get in touch with you? Obviously, there's going to be Facebook, but what other ways can people get in touch with you and how can they listen to your wonderful album? We've got the Instagram account. We're on Twitter, but Twitter because, you know, it's limited letters. It's B-S-F-T-S band. So it's just the initials of the band plus okay. the band at the end. And then we've got our uh, um <laughs> give my address out. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> we have got all our stuff on Spotify. Uh, a lot of it's on SoundCloud. Cool. Yeah. And uh even Bandcamp. And the album's the, out on uh, Friday. The album will be out in JB Hi-Fos. Well, as well as online. Okay, so plenty of ways for people to find your music and support you guys. Yeah, yeah. We can. Um, if they can't, they, they can try and find me and, and um, ask me. You can Google it, it'll come up. Doing, That's fine. <laughs> um, but also Brisbane. Yeah, we'll be over in Brisbane actually on the. We'll be, well, we'll be in the Gold Coast on the 9th of May and we'll be playing on the 10th and then we're playing in Brisbane on the 11th. Oh, we could. Where, are you playing at Shark Bar in Miami? Are you in the Gold Coast? No, we're playing we'll at... Um, Just do a dance one for me. <laughs> no, um, it's... Is the Prince of Wales in Brisbane? No. Oh, they might... Oh, don't think so. I think that's <laughs> Melbourne, isn't it? Prince of Wales. 
Um, Never mind. We, we can check gear guides closer to the date. But what's the month you're coming? Um, May. We'll be, actually be over there in oh, wow. weeks. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, no, definitely. If anybody listening wants to see the band over here, then, yeah. And are you uh, have a look at, at the end of April, early May. But are you playing the sunny coast as well? Are you managing to get up that far? Uh, no. That's actually in the pipeline for the next tour, which will be about mid-year. Um, looking at Solbar, Sunshine Coast. Okay, so, all right. Uh, but 11th of May at the Prince of Wales in Brisbane and then also the 10th of May, which is at the Parkwood in the Gold Coast. Um, so, oh, Parkwood, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, I might actually go to that one, mate, so I might be able to catch up at that one. Oh, nice. So there'll yeah. be oh, uh, records for sale. Yeah, we've got our blue, limited blue run of blue, blue vinyls. Sky blue. Sky blue. There you go. Oh, we could. I oh, look. I the the two. I, I'm. It's. I actually. I'm a bit retro with this, but I like listening to cassettes and I love listening to vinyl these days, especially 180 gram vinyl. The sound of it, that analog, the authenticity of the music, the way it just comes from the needle through a great pair of speakers is unreal. So, I might even invest in that vinyl when I catch up. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll have them with us. Mm. Cool. While and we're on, while we're on here, I might as well say. Um, but uh, the Brisbane show at the Prince of Wales is for the band from Brisbane called Pablo, Die for Mushies and Heart Eater. Okay. The Parkwood, I'm looking at um, Trapdoor and Honeygum. Okay, gotcha. All right. Now, the Prince of Wales, yeah, it's definitely in Brisbane. I don't know why I haven't bloody... Oh, because it's in Nunda. That's why... Oh, none of us. Well, it's. I wouldn't say it's. It's big time out of the city, but it's not in the city. I'm. I'm mainly used to city, valley, and west end venues. But uh, it's in Nunda for anybody listening who's in Brizzy who might not be aware. Okay. I didn't even know that they were doing bands these days, but that's great. Hmm. Next time we will be in the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next time we'll come to the city. I'm it's just trying. To... So come to a country shindig and have a. <laughs> Have a mold wine. Oh, you'll be right. It's only I think it's it's on exit twenty six. Um, if anybody, it's off route twenty six in the northern suburbs of Brisbane. If anybody uh, around the southeast actually wants to get down, but the Parkwood gig should be fabulous. Actually, that's a fantastic venue down on the Goldie. Oh, great. Okay, yeah, looking forward to that one now. Cool, mate. That's it. Thanks so much for the interview. It's been a hoot. Appreciate it. Thanks. For yeah, really appreciate it. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I host the Scars and Guitars podcast. That was my conversation with Jack Nelson and some of his entourage. Jack's from the band Blackstone from the Sun. Thank you so much for listening.